0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
1: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
3: Gaza is under a complete siege. This little boy was pulled out alive, his face blackened. His rescuer rushes to his mother. But before she can embrace her boy, she passes out in a shock. We've been told to get out. But where do we go? And how do we get there? There are more than two million people living here. Almost half are children. Families are rushing, trying to make plans. Every second matters. Kids fill the United Nations schools, but they do not go home when the day ends. Classrooms are now bedrooms.
4: We are the the
3: it seems as if they don't know what's happening. They do. Through the rubble, the skewers pull out a little girl. I don't know whether she lived or died. I don't know what's going to happen to her, or to us.
5: Welcome to Free State, everybody. Um, We are doing another episode this week because we feel we want to bring it up to date on what is happening in Israel. Um, and the latest developments uh, and getting deep into some other aspects of, of the war in the Middle East. Um,
3: but Before we do that, Joe, there's something you want to just acknowledge. No, just, um, I want to say that this week, 30 years ago, one of the worst atrocities of the Troubles, the Shankle Bolly, mm. um, a busy Shankill Road, Frizzell's fish shop always bustling with customers. And uh, it was bombed by the IRA in the most atrocious act. And nine precious human lives were lost in that bomb. And uh, I just wanted didn't want the week to pass without thinking of those people. And our friend Alan McBride, who's going to come into the podcast, who lost his beautiful wife, and who's been a campaigner for peace ever since, you know, who's covered himself in glory and brought honor on his community Uh, but I was struck by Gary Murray this week whose beautiful sister Leanne was only 13 years old 13 years old what a waste and he said this week look I'm so glad that no more people are being hurt We, we can never get over this but I'm so glad that other families will never have to go through what we went through and uh it It is astonishing that within a year of that atrocious act, which led to all sorts of other atrocious acts, I mean, terrible, terrible sectarian killings, you know, extravaganzas, we were in despair, and I can remember at the time, traveling to dairy training and we were vigilant. We were thinking, okay, you need to be careful, travel at the right time, if you can travel, if you can pick up the back of another car and drive with them, all those sorts of things. 1994 the first IRA ceasefire and then by 1998 the complete final ceasefire and a peace process that's been the envy of the world.
4: The Shankill Road was crowded with the usual Saturday lunchtime shoppers. The bomb exploded without warning. It ripped through the fishmonger's shop and the building on either side. The shop is virtually demolished. Many passers-by were caught up in the blast. The emergency services were quickly on the scene. Minutes later, the body started to come out. Six people died instantly. The final death toll is nine, six female and three male. A fleet of ambulances ferried the injured continuously to three hospitals. There are children among the casualties. A number of the injured are said to be critical.
6: ...that added the name Grey Steel to the list of Northern Ireland's most appalling crimes. Eight people were shot dead here. Today their friends were in court to see those responsible jailed for life. Only five of the 21 customers escaped injury as this man Stephen Irwin shouted trick-or-treat and then opened fire with an assault rifle. As he walked through the bar he even took time to change magazines. He killed all eight victims. The other gunman was Jeffrey Dini. He let off one round before his pistol jammed. What? what? Torrance Knight was getaway driver after great Steel and after the murders of four other men seven months earlier. Today he got 12 life sentences. The others were given eight life terms, one for each of the Grey Steel victims. Lord Justice Carswell told the men on the scale of barbarity which has been perpetrated by cold hearted practitioners of violence over the last quarter of a century, Grey Steel ranks
3: very high. So, that is the path, and that is the only path. Domination by one community over another never works.
5: Well, I interviewed Stephen Walker, who's written a really fascinating biography of John Hume. I interviewed him this week for the currency, and the Shankill bombings is such a key aspect of that story because, as you say, it was at the at those pivotal moments of the of the of the Hume-Adams talks. When Hume was under huge pressure internally externally about the talks, and when shankill happened it uh you know again, for understandable reasons people said what 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 is happening here? what are we doing mm-hmm. and then uh you know you had Jerry Adams feeling not feeling but Jerry Adams carrying the coffin of thomas Begley um and as you said, it then led to these. Tit for tat. He's led to, it, and I, one thing I wasn't aware of, it led to you know the Grey Steel massacre. What happened after it was originally, the, the 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 plan was to to, to murder an SDLP councillor. That's correct. And uh, he didn't go to the bar he normally went to, and so they went to Grey Steel instead. And even in the midst of the tragedy of Grey Steel, there was this moment which Walker lays out in the book when one of the bereaved at the funerals approached Hume and said to him keep going keep going and far from it being a point that that was the bit that actually that was the moment where he actually was emboldened again
3: and don't forget don't forget that John Hume wept that day and Grey the Rising Sun Bar which we stopped in after we won our after I won my last Terry Senior Championship we went through myself Kieran McKee and we then to mix with the locals and to you know Hmm. Just show some solidarity because a very mixed community, Fulhamfield, Grinstead, and Protestants and Catholics were killed in that terrible massacre there. Um, and one of the things that struck me about it was Jerry Adams' shoulder and Thomas Begley's coffin, who died. Who was one of the bombers? Died in his own bomb. And uh, this idea that atrocious act and all that it was, and. Unfor- unforgivable uh, the massacre of, 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 of these people these innocent people you know, in a way I suppose all people are innocent you know the old dilemma like would you shoot Adolf Hitler if you had a chance but the point about it was that the peace process only succeeded because people didn't have to back away from their communities from what they believed in from their solidarities as a community you know, so that whenever some of the most gruesome killers of the Troubles came together to make peace, and I mean, you know, people like Andy Terry on the on the Loyalist Paramilitary side, Jackie MacDonald, some people like that, people on on the IRA side, you know, again, people who had quite readily assassinated young police officers and and, and prison officers and all these horrendous deeds. But one of the things about the peace process was that that what really grounded it in the end was a grudging respect and understanding of the other sides because mm. there was no other way to do it because otherwise you sit there in your trenches and you just keep doing what Israel and, and, and the Palestinians have been doing for a hundred years now. And, you know, one of the, the really I have to say, now, I found it very moving the release of Yochved Lifshitz and Nurit Cooper, two of the hostages who were taken by Hamas. And, you know, Yochved's 85 years of age and a grandmother, Nurit 79 years of age. What an outrage to humanity that these vulnerable women were abducted in hell. And what a relief and joy for them and their families to be reunited. And for me, it was a small tink of extremely joyous news, you know. And one of the most extraordinary things about this that they allowed the cameras to film the hand over to the Red Cross and Mrs. Lifshitz shook her captor's hand. And at the press conference in Israel afterwards, she was asked why she had done that and she said, because they treated us very well and humanely. The people there took care of all of our needs. Now, I appreciate that's all very well and it's only a very small moment but with what's going on there they need to build on small moments because as you say quite right a moment where Hume must have been having ter- terrible doubts about the path that he was on. Say what the fuck and now Jerry Adams is carrying the fucking coffin of the bomber. The fucking place was going up. I mean the north was mental. The violence, the savagery. You know, I mean, security on the clubs, people hyper-vigilant, you know, and Hume in the middle of this and he's being demonized by the Southern press as well. And yet, you know, everybody stuck it out. Everybody stuck it out. And as you quite rightly make the point, I think, well, you've said this to me before, you had big personalities there who were great at dealing with other human beings, treating them with respect. You know, Bill Clinton, people like that. Bertie Ahern. I know Birdie has become a bit of a figure of fun, but he put in a big shift during the peace process and he was a classic wheeler-dealer and he was brilliant with people. I mean, Lord Trimble loved Birdie Ahern. I mean, Lord Trimble and Birdie Ahern got on like a house on fire and Lord Trimble was an extremely difficult man, you know, a very intellectually gifted man. But as his own personal aid said, you know, he was, he he bristled. He was unapproachable, he was quite remote. But he had the right people, you know, and. he was, a, he was a
5: negotiator, and there was, you know, Hume was involved, obviously, it was a huge,
3: never wavered from the vision he had. And no, not for, not, not for. I mean, not for, I'm just going to say like 69, 68, he was saying exactly the same yeah. things in 69, as he was saying in 1998. He was
5: actually, he wrote a piece for the Irish Times, I think, 1964, 65, and it was, you know, almost. He
3: could have held up, he could have, he could have he could have laminated yeah. his his speech well, but a single transferable I mean, speech yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, but meanwhile you know the the punishment of gaza by this but can we just one thing on the hostage as well like no just on that because that was yeah.
5: that was such a moving moment and yet there are so many hostages still in gaza and that clearly uh if you're israeli or if you're if you're part of the jewish diaspora that is that is is it was the a desperate. Is desperate, desperate, desperate. desperate. And on top of what happened I mean on October seventh. Uh, and, uh, uh, and we saw the videos of that as well, which were horrific.
3: And Ed's husband, who's who's in his eighties also. Mm. I mean, he's still being held captive. You know, so you know our 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 our, our, our thoughts and, our thoughts and our 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 best wishes go out to these people. And without
5: making too many parallels, that moment did remind me a bit of Gordon Wilson in Enniskillen as well. You know, that sense of somebody who has got an incredible uh, uh, capacity, and you know, a kind of an almost uh, preternatural capacity for. There's no, for, there's no other way. For, but but it's very, at the same time, if you feel other things, it's also understandable, and you you know yeah. that that's that's and that is what, uh, and that is the the tragedy of what's happening because you know what Hamas does. What the Israeli government do is 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 inevitably just going to create more and more rage and more and more more, more hatred. And that, and you know and we've mentioned this before. When and
3: you go into I mean I, I, a Channel Four team went into Gaza this week. I mean, not a single person was was not expressing full support for Hamas. From yeah. The, the 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 statistics, five thousand seven hundred and eighty one Palestinians have been murdered now. Sixty percent of those are children and old people. This is mass murder of mm. defenseless human beings, each one precious and unique. Twelve hospitals in Gaza now have been bombed. Twenty-six mosques. Twenty-six sacred mosques. Mm. You know, people's religion striking at the heart of their beliefs. Um, and you know the forced evictions of Palestinians living in Israel by the IDF. We've seen some terrible pictures of that. Albeit that the Israelis are really clamping down on foreign media now. And Haaretz this morning, when I get Haaretz delivered every morning to me my, my iPhone, they're now accusing their own government. This is the Israeli paper of of genocide. They're openly accusing them of that. I Meaning we've seen this week on Channel Four News assassinations by snipers of. Palestinian te- teenagers captured on film. Five hundred people killed yesterday alone, most of them children and the elderly. Palestinian children are writing their names and dates of birth on their arms so they can be identified if they're murdered in the mix. Jesus Christ, you know, and uh, you know you see this footage this week on Sky News of entire families dead just piled up. On carts being pulled by donkeys. And, um, you know, the the propaganda alongside that is relentless. And it does make you feel very, very dispirited that there would be any hope for people to come together. And we're going to come to talk about a very important aspect of all of this, which has been largely overlooked in the media. I mean, and it is—it's a gross contempt of human life, which is shame in Israel, because they're the powerful one. You know, it is incumbent upon them, you know, to say, "Well, look, we are—we are a very, very powerful state, very powerfully resourced." Instead, Netanyahu is going around; he was telling President Macron of France, "Hamas are the new Nazis." I mean, just think about that one. Now. Mm. I mean that the Nazis were hemmed into a ghetto, armed with crude weapons, no air force. No tanks, no warships, no airports, no trains, no infrastructure. Hitler wouldn't have got very far, you know, that the that the Nazis were being sort of shot randomly and bombed at will. I mean, you might as well say the Jews in the Warsaw, Warsaw Ghetto were the Nazis. But this is this propaganda world which puts everybody under huge pressure to follow a script. And, I mean... We've got to the stage now where everyone is an anti-Semite unless they give Israel the green light to do whatever it wants. And now, free state's coming under the microscope. Well, uh,
5: it's it's coming under uh, the microscope for disinformation. I think a video we put up on, on TikTok was reported um, uh, by unknown agents, um, unknown actors. You thought it was me.
3: I was not thinking it was you, but we reported for you, disinformation. You accused me of being a Zionist and reporting our own video. It's not me. You accused me of being a Zionist. I'm trying to protect you from those allegations. But um, but no, quite seriously, the, the, the video, which was hugely watched, was reported uh, multiple reports of disinformation. So Dion lodged an appeal against that. And TikTok carefully reviewed the material and concluded that the material was factually accurate in every respect. And so far, and so far, Uh, as it was possible to verify that. So the video is back up again. But, I mean, I've been thinking so much about language and the importance of language and why all of the Israeli government officials, the Israeli ambassador here, for example, the the Israeli second-in-command at the embassy here, they all use exactly the same scripts. A school here, a school in Israel, is a Hamas base in Gaza. A hospital in Israel is a Hamas base in Gaza. A mosque is a Hamas base in Gaza. I An ancient mosque was destroyed on Monday in an Israeli airstrike and 50 civilians were murdered. An apartment block in Israel is a Hamas base in Gaza. A car in Israel is a Hamas base in Gaza. And they can't say hospital without saying Hamas controlled hospital. And now Ireland's being slammed for not supporting Israeli genocide. And they are enraged. I mean, our president has been attacked. He said Israel's is creating a huge humanitarian crisis and that Israel's bombing of a civilian population and announcing it in advance that they were going to break international law, then to do so, has reduced the Geneva Convention to tatters, which is simply a statement of fact. And Dana Ehrlich, the ambassador. How fucking dare she? She's here two months. She said she accused President Higgins, who for me is a fine, fine human being of spreading misinformation, said everything Israel is doing is in accordance with international law. You fucking couldn't make it up. And our priority has always been to ensure the fewest possible civilian casualties. Don't blame Israel. Blame Hamas for this. And it's a stop technique. Don't answer any questions. Don't get drawn into logical discussion. Stick to the script. And I listened to her interviews on Primetime and then on Pat Kenny a few days apart. Absolutely identical She said that Irish people Are being brainwashed By our media Um, Pat Kenny said to her Look there's very little Anti-Semitism in Ireland I'm not really aware of it She strongly disagreed with that When he asked her About the killing of thousands Of innocent civilians She said I would like to direct That question to Hamas They're the ones at fault They've been planning This attack for so long They're stockpiling rockets Building terror tunnels If only they would have Invested that money In stockpiling food For their people Or water for their people Why don't they take care of their people, these Nazis? I feel the pain of the people in Gaza because they didn't choose this. They're suffering from Hamas the same way we're suffering from Hamas. Hamas isn't in the West Bank, and Hamas only appeared in around about 2010 as a force. Why are we not talking about Hamas? Why do you keep talking about Israel? And then on prime time, she said exactly the same, almost word for word. I watched them one after the other and made notes. I don't want to bore everybody by going through them. And, then you had a situation where the Israeli embassy, their second in command, accused Ireland, this is Adi Ofir Maoz, of funding Hamas tunnels in Gaza. Ireland! Now this is because Ireland are sort of standing in solidarity with humanity. Uh, she she uh, said that the Irish government was responsible for funding Hamas terror tunnels. <laughs> and Dr. Harold, you said... <laughs> <laughs> that if the Irish government had been responsible, 15 ministers would have traveled to Gaza <laughs> on first-class flights with shovels and a photographer at the official <laughs> opening. And the tunnels would never get made. <laughs> but I mean, now the Israeli embassy is monitoring me. They're following me on social media. So the second-in-command, Adi Offer Maouz, who's the one who made this tweet, Ireland is wondering who funded Hamas Tunnels of Terror, a short investigation direction, find a murder, to yourself, voila. And it's the fucking contempt of it, the arrogance for a proper, sovereign, peaceful democratic nation like Ireland, you know, where I'm very, very proud to be a part of. And it's the way they bully, you know, and they're used to treating anyone other than Jewish people in Israel with contempt. And I'm struck by a superb, uh, documentary that you put me on to. Um, The Human Factor. The Human Factor, where Bill Clinton, at that point, America were the only superpower. Don't forget, the Cold War came to an end in 1991, and now America are the only superpower. So America decides through, first of all, George Bush Sr., who who was beaten by Clinton, Clinton's charisma, you know, that vast Clinton charisma, after one term. Um, And Clinton meets Netanyahu. This is after the assassination of Rabin, and we'll come to all of that um, in the second part of this episode. And the negotiators, the American negotiators, all of whom were were Jewish American, uh, uh, all lawyers, all stellar, you know, all of the highest quality of person, and we urge anybody who's interested in the background to what's happening now to watch the documentary. But Clinton, uh, during his first meeting with Netanyahu, was berated by Netanyahu for half an hour and could hardly get a word in voice. And one of the negotiators <laughs> said, when Clinton came out, he said, who's the goddamn superpower? <laughs> and it's the same as the ambassador attacking our president, you know, the, the second in command attacking our country, you know, uh, no one's allowed to suggest a peaceful solution or express compassion for the plight of people in Gaza, you know. And I mean, I'm now being followed by the embassy, you know, and I mean, look, whatever day, whatever day I'm in the hospital, Dion, and someone has pronged me with a poison umbrella <laughs> and I'm lying there <laughs> hooked up to a life support machine. <laughs> I, I will, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll know where to start. <laughs> I will,
5: I'll, I'll come and visit you. I'll, uh, yeah, And there's I'll, I'll somebody eve at you from outside. The yeah. And you get, you get class.
3: these, you get these people, you know, there's somebody called Shahana Ashur, who's. Absolutely attacking me. Now, you know, attacking me is, I mean, I I I view that as entertainment. Calling me an anti-Semite, a Jew hater on social media, and Hamas lover, and all those sorts of things. And this is a very important part in what's happening. The police commissioner in Israel this week declared war. I'm reading from Haaretz, the Israel newspaper of record, on voices of dissent. The police have been ordered to forcibly prevent protests against the war in Gaza. Okay? And against any expression of compassion for the people of Gaza, and he has actually proposed that the Parliament enact a law that anyone who protests in that way or his sympathy for, for Gaza should be deported to Gaza. I mean it's like something i mean you you', you, you saying, and now, now, as Heretz reported today uh you could be suspended from Worker University. An, an official warning has been sent out. Dozens of people in the past two weeks have been suspended. This is Israeli people who are expressing discontent at what's happening in their name from Worker University. And the leading is Israeli journalist, Israel Frey, I mean, how, how more Israel can you be than being called Israel? A lynch mob tried to get at him, smashed up his house and vandalized it. And uh, whenever the police Arrived at his house The crowd outside chanting murderer And throwing flares at his windows One of the police officers he alleged Spat in his face And told him that if he'd known that it was his house He wouldn't have come at all And uh, during them accompanying him to safety In a local hospital One of the officers elbowed him several times And accused him of being a Hamas supporting thug and reciting Kaddish for the ma- Hamas. And at the hospital, he was again attacked by the same mob. Now, the police then made a statement saying these allegations are absolutely scurrilous and untrue. You know, this attack was not carried out by us, it was a Hamas terrorist who spat on him. <laughs> no, they didn't say that. But they are shutting down all freedom of expression. And I don't know if you're aware that the Knesset uh, enacted a law last week allowing the police to shut down any foreign media outlets. And already, Al Jazeera, for example, is being. Targeted so, a very important part of all of this is the propaganda war and making people afraid to speak up. I mean, good friends of mine, like from our background, from the, like you know, in, in 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 Ireland, I mean, it's all it's it's virtually universal. People are appalled by what Israel are doing in Gaza, but friends of mine are saying, "Look, be careful! Seriously, be careful! You know, you're you're sticking your neck out here." I said, what about Dion? He said, oh, he's okay, he's a Zionist. I'm joking. They don't say that, they don't say that.
5: They don't even ask yeah, about me. Yeah. Nobody, but, nobody cares about me. Yeah,
3: but let me, you look at the chemical weapons thing this week, for example, massive media presence, big sparkly news conference, an Israeli general, and then President Herzog, you know. I mean, the general hold up a laminated sheet, right? it, it reminded me of like the menu in one of those truckers' cafes. And he said, these Nazis are worse than ISIS, you know. And one of them had this manual, and brandished it all off. I mean, this alleged chemical weapons instruction manual turns out to be, because the press were able to get good close-up photographs of it, a biography of a guy called Ramsey Youssef, who, who was planning terror attacks. You can buy it online. There's no chemical weapons instructions, but it does. And this, for me, is the important thing. It has the words Al-Qaeda and massive capitals, and, strangely enough, for Arabs, who would be carrying these in English. Not in Arabic, in English. Better for the Fox News guys, you know. And and then President Herzog says, you know, these Hamas fighters had instructions on how to make chemical weapons, but they didn't have any chemical weapons. I mean, what were they going to do? they got to sort of source source the ingredients in Israel and make them up while they were there. And the point the point about all of this is for Israel to continually say Hamas-ISIS, Hamas-Nazi, Hamas-Al-Qaeda. And, I mean, it was of interest to me that uh, it was Israel who mounted a chemical weapons campaign against the Arabs in 1948, and it's revealed in a recent book by the Israeli historian Benny Morris and the Israeli prize laureate Benjamin Kedar. Even Israel's first prime minister, Dion, was involved in that secret operation to poison Arab water wells. So once they had been expelled, in the Nakba, the, the, the almost a million Palestinians who were displaced from their homes. And now, to this day, their ancestors are living in the refugee camps of West Bank and Gaza. The idea was to discourage them from coming back, so they poisoned the, the water wells with, with chemicals. And uh, as Haret said this week, the editorial board, Israelis have experienced a horrific trauma. And which they have. And which is absolutely unforgivable in every way. But now we we are bombing, killing and starving people and hardening our hearts to stone. And I think this is the essence of it. It comes back to, you know, the people that we've been talking about who made risks for peace in the North. Moral corruption is no less dangerous to the survival of Israel than the survival of Hamas. And, um... You know, it's interesting that the Jewish voice for peace has been so strong. You know, tens of thousands of of Jewish people living in America marching to stop this genocide and and calling it genocide. I mean, this week they released a statement to say, look, we have to be honest about this. Since 1948, our government has built a system of apartheid and the legal occupation. You know, we must build a world beyond this right-wing Zionism. That means creating systems of safety through solidarity. We must stop the genocide in Gaza. But this horrific situation was only possible because of the groundwork laid by the Israeli state for 75 years. And we do know that some very eminent Jewish statesmen, prime ministers, Really took major risks for peace, and I think we're going to come to talk about that now.
5: Yeah, we are. We're going to before before we do. I just want to just talk on because there's one thing I do feel conscious of as well, and we can we talk about the Israeli government and their propaganda war and what is happening in Gaza, which is horrific. And um, and I'm also conscious, and I was struck, and I I have I, I mentioned before I have Jewish friends who. Are equally as you as you say as many Jewish people are, and most Jewish people are horrified by what's happening in Gaza and uh, and how the Israeli government is dealing with things. Yet they also feel this sense of kind of abandonment and, and and being alone. And as a friend of mine put it to me, he said, "It's not it's not what you say sometimes. It's not it's what you don't say." And he did, was he was talking he was talking he was talking to me actually. He was talking to me. Um, but I think he was making a more general point as well. And there was a, a piece um, in uh, the Times last week by Deborah Ross with the headline, as a secular Jew, I didn't feel I could comment on the war till now. And when we talk about Jewish r- response and protests about Gaza, I think it's also important, and we have done this, I feel. I think we have done this. We've we've talked about the the... the the barbarity and the savagery that Hamas has committed. But I think it's always important. But isn't
3: it an interesting thing Can that, I that everybody feels me? the need to keep emphasizing that? I mean, you no, can't no, no, you no. can't go onto the BBC or any news channel now, even though, even though now the bodies are just piling up and we see this blitz on this defenceless problem, without saying, do you first condemn Hamas? No, no I'm, not asking, I'm not saying that. No, until no, you just, say that. I mean, the other day so in let Parliament.
5: Me, let, me, let me make this point because that's not right. what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm saying it's important that people who are feeling under under attack feel that they're that the assault on them is actually acknowledged and recognized it's only to do and I, i've seen it's only to do with it's nothing to do with creating a situation where the people of gaza are are Hamas you know the like the onion um the onion headline which which captured it perfectly you know that this uh uh, Ga- uh child in gaza fails to fails to condemn Hamas with his dying breath. You know, that kind of ridiculous, you know, do you condemn? Yeah, but that, that's what, that's what the no, Israeli but, government wants. Well that's, but that's, forget about the Israeli government for a minute. And let's talk about, you know, people who, who are Jewish people who feel abandoned once again. And In I just, Ireland? No, no, I, it doesn't matter where they are, but like people listen to our podcasts everywhere. And that's all I'm saying. I just want to acknowledge that. I agree that. with that. And, I know you do. But it's, I don't but it's no it's no good for the Israeli people, no, what's happening. No, it's not. It's a but, disaster but, for but, them. But if, and if, Israeli people if who want no, to live peaceably. The reason for this is if you don't acknowledge, and if, if if that is ignored, the point about this piece was it mentioned that there was a letter for artists for Palestine with 2,000 signatories. And she writes in it, I read it once, twice, a third time, then a fourth. Had the letter been abridged? Surely it's been abridged. The fact is, there was no mention of a mass. There was no mention of the rape, torture, kidnapping, and murder of babies. Children, grandparents. Just, just, seriously. No, no, no. Let, no. Like, Children, grandparents, young people dancing peacefully at a piece. You know, I feel a wee no, bit George.
3: insecure at the minute, you know, but 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 these people who are being fucking slaughtered with thousands and thousands of missiles and bombs, I think there's a fucking priority here. No, no, you know, I think we say, first of all, look, you got to stop this fucking slaughter. But you, and this idea of teams, you know, like, even President Biden talking about oh that's the other team you know about, as if it's a fucking game it's not just but oh you know what Joe, I, did, hold on I'm, let
5: me finish this point honestly let me finish this fucking point because that's not what it's about at all it's about acknowledging that unless you actually acknowledge other people's suffering as well this is not a boo you can't turn on the fucking
3: know. TV without it being acknowledged. Joe, from the start, that's the only thing that's why, been acknowledged. Why, why would
5: that anger you? Why about, I'll tell you why
3: that? it angers me. Why? Because it's, there's a hierarchy of propaganda. and a hierarchy. A, sorry, you cannot now do it. I do it every morning. I read all the papers and I look at them and they always start with Hamas, Hamas, Hamas before they come on to They talk about murder in relation to Palestinians, died in relation to Israelis, died. And everything is looked at through that hierarchy. Okay, that's the way it's looked at. That's the reality. The weak are on their own. Okay, let me make it clear to you. It is. It must be very confusing and disheartening for Israeli people living in many parts of the world. They're they're looking at their TV screens and they're seeing hundreds of thousands of demonstrators going around waving Palestinian flags, talking about stop the slaughter, etc., etc., etc. You know. But this is the position that these people have been put in through no fault of their own. And this is why the only thing that's important at the moment is to stop the slaughter, to return the I hostages, to stop the slaughter. I agree with that. Okay, after that, after that, then you can start to talk about these other much more refined, much more nuanced things. But I'm afraid to say, I mean, I'm going to, going through my, my day now thinking to myself, imagine missiles were coming down in this home. Imagine missiles were coming in on top of this building or attacking that church. Imagine a superpower is, has decided. You know, as 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 one of the the Jewish commentators wrote. You know, this is the, the this is the alley cat against the nuclear tiger. There's no doubt and, and about so, that. There's and so, so there's no doubt. So, at it, at, at, so there's no point. There's no point in saying which is which is which has become the dominant theme. Yes, but yes, but yes. Okay, look. All these people are being killed. All these babies, entire families are being slaughtered. Yes, but. Don't forget what Hamas did in the seventh. Of October. No, because I'm right. not making no. that point, Joe.
5: Because let me finish it. I'm not making that point because I still, even now, I, every time I read uh the words "Israel has the right to defend itself," um I wonder. I still don't know what that means, right? I, I, get that. I and I, get I still it. don't understand. And I don't know what they're doing. How what they're doing here has anything? And like again, if you were going to defend yourself, the the first thing you would do. Is not apart from like if you want to separate out the absolute horror of what is happening in Gaza, for even even in a, in a pragmatic way, the first thing you would you would do is not do what you're doing now because you're just going to. My wife said this to me today. You're going to perpetuate this crisis oh, but, for for another generation. Correct. correct. You know, another Maybe. generation because we've had twenty years of of this and we'll have another twenty we're, years we're, because we're, we're
3: of we're IRA of we're IRA British government. You know, we're Thatcher hunger yeah. we, We've been there and we've seen it. And I, yeah. I've lived through it and I've seen the only way that it can possibly so work. So that's not the point I make so, it. But I'm making. But, what, I'm not but crazy. what can't work, what can't work, what can't work is what's happening now. And I think that what we should talk about is a bit about someone who who I believe and who many Jewish commentators around the world believe uh, is at the heart of all of this. And, uh, and that's uh, Benjamin Netanyahu who, um, I mean, one of the striking features of the, the Netflix document, which really is worth watching, and I think I strongly recommend it, Dion had recommended it to me, is the fact that Yitzhak uh, Rabin, who'd been a ger- general in the in the, Israel Defense Forces, and and who was not by any means a dove when it came to peace, had come to the, the view, come to realization, look, we must make peace with the Palestinians and it's going to have to be an honourable peace and we're going to, have to, we're going to have to make concessions to gain that peace so that we can live together as two civilised states. And it was like Paisley and McGuinness coming together when himself and Yasser Arafat, and some of the details are extraordinary in the document, you know, Rabin saying, right, okay, I'll sign the peace agreement. But he's not to be wearing a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> and there's to be no kissing. And <laughs> <laughs> there's to be no kissing. I'm not into the kissing. But how they developed such a powerful bond and um, and how then, as the, the sort of the, the Shankle Bomb style Grey Steel Massacre, the tit for tats were going on in the background, Netanyahu shamelessly harnessed that, reeled against this peace process. That, uh, that was being very publicly played out by Rabin, who was a very courageous, honourable man. And ultimately, this led to. Uh, and, and I think that the despair of the moment is so well captured in the documentary. Whenever the American negotiating team were given the news that Rabin had been assassinated, and uh, sort of 20 years on, the lead negotiator wept. As you remember, he, he, he couldn't actually. Um, you know, because it was, it was, I think you could see in him what an opportunity that was. We were so close. And Rabin had that, uh, he
5: just had that experience of having lived through it all and realizing that this was the only way. And, you know, that, uh, he was, that he, he, Camp he, David speech, or that White House speech he gave, which just recognized it. And it, it was huge. It was great courage and it was great. Um, and again, that personal, like there's so many wonderful moments in that documentary where there was a a a, 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 a a sticking point in negotiations that could only be solved by Rabin and Arafat to do at a police station, I think at Ramallah. And, uh, they had to heat the call, the negotiator had to call them out of a meeting with Bill Clinton and, uh, the, uh, and Arafat said, they said, look, we've an issue here. And Arafat just, I think Arafat said. Whatever the prime minister wants, that's and right. Our, and Rabin just said, "You'll have your police station in Ramallah." Yeah, and it was solved immediately. And that that sense of, and you know that it, it didn't come easily because, you, as you say, it started with this. I won't. I don't want him to kiss me. They had to do a whole lot of. They had to, to, to drill. They <laughs> had to drill Bill Clinton. <laughs>
3: it's a, it's a, one of the. It most hilarious parts of it you know obviously before it became so disastrous and we'll talk about the, the the hand that Netanyahu played in that Um but one of the most you know enjoyable and I have to say I was, I was smiling watching it all always whatever the negotiating team were told look he he better not turn up in a uniform he has to wear a suit mm. and so the negotiators I think they said they sent him to the, to think Bill Clinton's tailor. He
7: got a suit me
3: And when he went to the tailor, he said as soon as he saw the sort of the suit, he says under no circumstances where So they ended up they ended up putting him in a safari
5: a Well no, safari he ended up wearing suit. a uniform and then they saw But they, him they took to Rabin. they stripped everything so off. R- it. Rabin Rabin then saw him arriving and said, What's that? And they said, It's they just sort of said, it's, a, it's a safari suit and you know, okay. Uh, I, do, again, I think they
3: stripped all the, 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 the medals and stuff yeah, off. At but, but again, so. but
5: very, very like the, uh, um, very like the Good Friday agreement. There was so much, like, and it mirrors it so many ways, that sense of ambiguity about what they agreed as mm-hmm. well. So that it could mean so much of what they agreed could mean. And you know, almost a safari suit is almost a metaphor for that. One man is wearing his, his military, uh, attire. The other man says, no, that's a safari suit. And they go, okay, fine. It's not military, yeah. it's a safari suit. And that almost sums up yeah. how those negotiations had to move along
3: in such uh um but in, but in but such, but, 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 but moving the they were because in the end there was mutual respect between the men and that that was that's that that was such a key thing. But Netanyahu um railed against this peace process, you know. Uh and he actually, in a famous protest against it because he was really inflaming the mob then Mm. you know he was doing the sort of the Ian Paisley thing he walked behind Rabin's mock coffin and Rabin was being called a Nazi posters were being held up with him dressed in Nazi uniform and uh, then Rabin is assassinated at the last moment when everything looks on and his widow squarely
7: lays the blame at at Netanyahu's feet tens of thousands crammed into the center of Jerusalem
3: he was genuinely outraged but he knew how to
2: channel that outrage and that coincided with his uh, rise to power
7: In Netanyahu's conservative Likud party, there was concern about the growing tension in the crowds that night. There were moments when Netanyahu was advised that, you know, there are real
6: nutcases in the national religious camp that we see that we need to calm down, Even, even gesturally. Netanyahu never
5: did
0: that. He never did that to his enormous
7: discredit. Night after night, the crowds massed across the street from Prime Minister Rabin's apartment in Tel Aviv. I'm there one about evening. We're talking, it's just the two of us. And there's a demonstration outside. And I said to him at the time, I said, don't you worry about some of this? He goes, no. I mean he was it's not that he was you know it's not that he was completely dismissive of it but he took it as kind of a given he knew in a sense what was coming and simply accepted it then as Rabin was leaving that's him coming down the ramp the man in the blue t-shirt approached three shots from behind.
6: The Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, the architect of the Middle East peace process, has been assassinated.
7: The assassin, a right-wing Israeli Jew, Yigal Amir.
6: Truly shocking news from the Middle East.
3: Tonight, Israel's Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin has been assassinated.
0: Evening spent dreaming of peace turns into a national nightmare.
7: Outside the hospital, the crowd began to chant, Bibi is a murderer. The sign says, Bibi, Rabin's blood is on your hands. An
2: assassin has taken yet another world leader away from us. It was just after the biggest peace rally in Tel Aviv...
7: Rabin's widow blamed Netanyahu for contributing to her husband's death.
6: The assassination of Yitzhak Rabin has also produced shock in the Palestinian community.
7: And said so on worldwide television
6: your husband pointed the finger at Mr. Netanyahu and said, you must stop this incitement. Yeah. To what extent do you blame Mr. Netanyahu and the Likud for what has happened?
7: I do I do blame them. In a rally in Kikar Zion in Jerusalem, they showed him in the uniform of a Nazi. So Mr. Bibi Netanyahu, now he can say from here to eternity that he didn't support it and didn't agree with it, but he was there and he didn't
2: stop it.
3: And, you know, the that empty coffin, uh, the editorial team at Haaretz wrote this week, you know, that Netanyahu's political career has always depended on avoiding a peaceful solution with the Palestinians. Since 2009, his policy has been to destroy any hope of agreement with the Palestinians. His rule depends on continuing the conflict, and destroying democracy is his other aim. And I mean, it's notable. I don't know if you remember the the most recent uh, election campaign where Netanyahu had plastered tall buildings in Tel Aviv with oversized posters of himself with Donald Trump, of himself with Vladimir Putin, with the phrase, in a different league, and, uh, you know, shaking hands with all the right-wing populists, Hungary, Poland, Recep, Erdogan, calling Netanyahu to congratulate him on his election win. And, you know, as the Times of Israel calls this government the most right-wing government in the history of Israel. And for 15 years now, Netanyahu has brought despair, poison, tragedy and carnage. And Israel and Israelis around the world deserve much better than this incendiary, hate-filled authoritarianism.
5: well you know it starts as you say in that documentary and like that uh right wing turn against Rabin following uh, a hamas suicide bomb in tel aviv yeah um and you know it takes us right up to you know like haaretz had a piece at the beginning of of this week about uh about netanyahu and the uh, the um the, the brief history of the Netanyahu-Hamas alliance. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary. I think people would be shocked to see
3: the extent of it, Dion.
5: Well, it's it's amazing. It's, it says, uh, um, it would be a mistake to assume that Netanyahu thought about the well-being of the poor and oppressed Gazans, who were also victims of Hamas, when allowing the transfer of funds, that's the funds from Qatar to Hamas, of Hamas. Uh, some of which, as noted, didn't go to building infrastructure, but rather mid- military armament. His goal was to hurt Habas,
3: that's the, uh, the leader yeah, Mahmoud, the Pal- Mahmoud, Mahmoud, Mahmoud the Abbas. So Char- just and
5: prevent division of the land of Israel into two states.
3: Yeah, to make, to make, it, to make it relatively simple, um, his policy since he returned as Prime Minister in 2009, and we'll go through the evidence, has been to bolster the rule of Hamas in the Gaza Strip. And he has turned them from a terror organization into a semi-state body. And the reason for that, and it was a complete turnaround from the policy of his predecessor, Ehud Olmert, who had worked to end the conflict through a peace treaty with the the most moderate of all the Palestinian leaders, the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. And uh, so what happened then was He started releasing Palestinian prisoners, he allowed cash transfers, the Qatari envoy bringing suitcases filled with cash to Gaza to give to Hamas, and all of these developments created a really unholy alliance between this sort of fundamentalist terrorism exemplified by Hamas and preserving Netanyahu's rule. because. The whole point of it was that if the Palestinian Authority, the moderate Palestinian Authority, was going to be the most powerful political force for Palestinians, then there was every chance of a two-state solution. And Netanyahu, you know, decided, okay, I'm going to strengthen the military arm of Hamas. And that started around about 2012. His nightmare would have been the collapse of the Hamas regime. And, uh, I mean, it it, it is extraordinary. I mean, I know we've both done a lot of research on this this week, knowing that we were going to talk about it. But, I mean, one of the proofs that's uh, discussed in all of the Israeli papers, you know, all of the the good newspapers, uh, was during Operation Protective Edge Ridge, and that was where the three... Um, Israeli teenagers had been abducted by Palestinian militants and then Israel had gone in and smashed and destroyed and killed about 3,000 Palestinians. But at that time, Netanyahu leaked to the media the contents of a top-secret presentation the military had made to the Security Cabinet, laying out the potential repercussions of conquering Gaza. Because the secret document said, Dion, look, this is going to cost the lives of hundreds, maybe thousands of soldiers. He knew when he put that out there that there would be great public resists. Because what he didn't want was the army to go in and destroy Hamas. Yuval Diskin, the head of the Israeli Security Service between 2005 and 2011, he said in 2013, if we look at it over the years, the main person contributing to Hamas's strengthening has been Bibi Netanyahu much. And you know, people will be shocked to, to, to learn these things. You know, the ex-prime minister Ehud Barak, who, who, who features mm. in the documentary in 2019, mm. he told Army Radio that people who believe Netanyahu has no strategy are mistaken. His quote, his strategy is to keep Hamas alive and kicking, even at the price of abandoning the Israeli citizens of the South. Because his entire strategy Is based on weakening the Palestinian authority Hmm. Imagine You know And I mean The the ex-IDF chief of staff Gadi Isn't quote in 2022 He said he told Mariv in January 22 Netanyahu acted Quote in total opposition To the national assessment of the security council Which determined there was a need to disconnect From the Palestinians and establish two states And Israel then, under Netanyahu, moved in the exact opposite direction, the purpose being to weaken the Palestinian Authority and strengthen Hamas. Because in those conditions of war, there'd be no possibility of a two-state solution. And Netanyahu was the warmonger who was perfectly the right man for this type of, 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 of thing that's going on at the minute. I mean, Bezalel Smotrich, you know, who's now the finance minister, I mean, a genuine... Nut job Like a full on Armour plated nut job He in 2015 said that Hamas is our greatest asset He told the Knesset channel That the, that Mahmoud Ab- Ab- Abbas And the Palestinian Authority Is our worst nightmare Now he's a settler In the Israeli occupied West Bank What he hear this charmer he, he, He's a full extremist like And a full homophobe He told the Times of Inter, of, of Israel this year my voters don't care if I'm a homophobe, racist, or fascist. I'm a homophobe, but I do have limits. I wouldn't stone a gay to death. Jesus "Fuck!" He'd probably just bomb them from a safe distance. And he, he famously, I don't know if you know this, but he organized anti-gay parades through Jerusalem where he and his cohorts marched through the city with goats and donkeys to highlight what they said were the unnatural practices of, of, of these homosexual deviants. I mean, he, he said, he said to this year, his wife was giving birth at a ward, but when he discovered that one of the women in the ward was Palestinian, he took her out of the ward. There was a big controversy over it, and you know, he wouldn't let her be in the same ward. And he said, well, it's natural. My wife will not be lying next to someone who just gave birth to a baby who might want to murder her baby in another 20 years. I mean, it's the sort of fucking nut jobs that you're talking about. Like,
5: um, Well, it's... uh. Again, it does just illustrate the like that that uh, impossible death grip and spiral of of extremism because Netanyahu is doing exactly what Hamas. The, again, we've talked about this. Nobody, um, they, he he is doing exactly what you would want them to do. And when you say he's everything, everything he's done in, while he's been in power has strengthened Hamas. Uh, what we are watching now again, is going to strengthen the mass, make it harder for the moderates um, and make it a, a more difficult situation. And you know, if you, if you yeah. watch that documentary, the tragedy is that there are people there who say now there is no, and this is what, this is where, yeah, where and do, this we, is where, where, this where, is, where do we start now? This is say. where, this is where we, we were before, before October 7th as well, in the sense that, you know, Saudi Arabia, the, uh, the arab countries around the middle east had given up on palestine they were normalizing relationships yeah. with israel um and that is a direct consequence of the unraveling And the unraveling came in in 2002 with, with you know it's a documentary when yasser arafat didn't sign this deal which made huge demands on him. it made made really as i said you know he would have had to agree to things and this was a final agreement it wasn't it was Mm. again it was although the negotiators
3: in that case i think the negotiators it comes across very clearly had great regrets because they advised and they all said afterwards in retrospect you know we shouldn't have advised clinton to go for this because it was about finishing his term triumphantly everybody was rushed into it you know and and one of the things that i thought was very striking and that's why i believe the documentary the honesty of it's exemplified by the fact that the american all of the american negotiators all of whom were jews said you know that we were tainted because. We, we were often accused of being lawyers for Israel. for Israel, And you know, in truth, that's what we were. Now, that's not to say that they weren't on, in the, on the verge of making a massive breakthrough, which they clearly were. But, and I mean, they all, I, wanted uh, to say, I wanted to say, though, that, um, you know, Jonathan Uric, who was Netanyahu's media advisor, uh, in 2019, he said triumphantly, Bibi has smashed the vision of a Palestinian state. You know, he told Makor Rishon, that his greatest achievement was separating Gaza from the West Bank. Netanyahu, said, has basically smashed the vision of the Palestinian state. Some some of his achievement is related to the Qatari money reaching Hamas each month. I mean, this is all on the record. We must say this honestly, Galat Distelat Barian said in 2020. Netanyahu wants Hamas on its feet. And he is ready to pay almost any incomprehensible price for this. Half the country is paralysed, children and parents are suffering from post-trauma, homes are blown up, people are killed, and yet a street cat holds a nuclear tiger by the balls. And, uh, you know, during a meeting of Likud MPs in March 2019, whoever opposes a Palestinian state must support delivery of these funds to Gaza because maintaining separation between the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank and Hamas in Gaza will prevent the establishment of a Palestinian state. And you know, it, it it like there are there are hundreds and hundreds, of, and I know that you wanted to talk about T- Thomas Friedman, the New York Times columnist, spinning all of this. Did I? Yeah. You know. Well, it was you who told, you told it to me that uh, the the that uh, Netanyahu and Hamas uh, were in an unholy alliance. Both of them wanted to destroy the possibility of political change before it could destroy them politically. And so they had a mutual interest in destroying the Palestinian Authority, you know. And like, um, in in uh, 2022, two, Distil at Barian said, mark my words, Benjamin Netanyahu keeps Hamas on its feet so that the entire state of Israel won't become the Gaza envelope. She warned of disaster if Hamas collapses, in which case Abu Mazen, which is the pet name for Mahmoud Abbas, liable to control Gaza And if he controls it We will end up with negotiations In a diplomatic settlement In a Palestinian state Including in Judea and Samaria And so The the stunning conclusion In Haaretz this week Their editorial conclusion The 2023 pogrom by Hamas Is a result of Netanyahu's policy It is not a failure Rather this is The aim Netanyahu and Hamas are political partners, and both sides have fulfilled their side of the bargain. Do not make the mistake of thinking even now that as long as Netanyahu and his present government are responsible for making decisions, the Hamas regime will collapse. There will be a lot of talk and pyrotechnics about the current war against terror, but sustaining Hamas is more important to Netanyahu than a few dead kibbutzniks. And, you know, it is true that for Netanyahu you know, death of other human beings is something that's irrelevant. I mean, he spirited his own son out to Miami to avoid the draft. Well,
5: in in, in Israel, there's some of, the, some of uh, then maybe he'll overturn by the time we put this podcast out, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I don't think, so let's just qualify it. But he's, he's a bit he's, like Trump. But he's, uh, he's, in Florida, uh, he's in Florida. He's in Florida? He's oh, in Florida, yeah. Uh, and one soldier, according to a report this week, says, Yar is enjoying his life at Miami Beach while I'm on the front lines. Uh, and he's been accused of abandoning his country because, you know, after October 7th, um, lots of people have returned to fight, you know, to to defend Israel as they see it. And, uh, but one thing that struck me, and again, this, this is, um, this is, uh, this kind of gets to the heart of that sort of Netanyahu worldview as, and he seems to have inherited it, uh, is that he said, Yar moved to the United States, this report says, after this, is, this is a young boy. Yeah. A controversy about his social media activity. The Prime Minister's son caused public outcry after he called the hundreds of thousands of Israelis demonstrating against the government's judi- judicial reforms terrorists. And th- they were terrorists oh. as well. And accused the United States of funding the unrest. Now, we would most people would have seen those massive protests from people.
3: Uh, early yeah early whenever or whenever year. Netanyahu was trying to to to, to control the Supreme yeah. Court in Israel yeah. and put it under his essentially his control and again a bit like what Trump has been sort of a yeah, to Yeah and again America. we did mention success. this this is
5: one of the things about Israel that there is we talked about it when we both visited there um sadly I feel we may not never we may never be allowed to, to, where? to Israel I don't ah, come I don't on. think we'll ever be allowed don't, to don't, go don't, back don't, to, don't, don't there, say sure. that don't but when
3: we it. went there, that scent, there is that great. I've got this image ever since you put it in my mind earlier before the podcast of me, you know, hooked up to a life support machine. You know and I'm saying, Just, <laughs> we have CCTV footage of something, someone appearing to touch us that it was an umbrella. Yeah.
5: But a man approached yeah. us. On on day, as we were walking in here today, a man approached us to. Uh, to uh, tell us how much he loved the podcast, but he was—I did note that he was carrying an umbrella, and I—I I oh, oh, I, oh, I flinched for a second. I was wondering why you flinched. At yeah, I. yeah. I just thought yeah. you know. I was thinking you yeah, yeah. we'll never say. You but see, anyway, he's—he's he's, uh, yeah, he's in Florida anyway.
3: See the 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 bottom line, as we know from the north, is that you know everyone has to make concessions. Everyone has to be treated like a human being. Mm, you know, and. You know, this this satanic orgy of destroying uh, Gaza. And, 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 and the, the fact that shame has had to be suspended to allow that to happen, you know, and that Joe Biden can talk about this, you know, as if it's American foot, you know, that's the other team. But the struggle for the Palestinian people, is not going to end whatever happens. And all that's happening now is that resentment and hatred and a bloodlust has been passed down through these generations. You know, 500 people murdered yesterday. You know, almost 6,000 people murdered while we're sitting down. 6,000 people murdered in Palestine. And all that is happening is that that sense of revenge and hopelessness together combines to ensure that the people of Israel are never going to be safe. And as this continues, you know, I ask the question, what is the point? You know, in another okay, you know, their their iron dome and their defenses will hold up for another six months, then there's going to be a, a suicide bomb, you know, another family are going to be are going to be, you know, uh, uh, left distraught and bereft, and, 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 and this circle just continues, you know, like the idea that I have about the world in general, you know, and I have this about everyone, is that human life is sacred, precious, you know, and I went into the law, it's a very, I think, noble idea that every person Deserves to be treated with respect. There's no difference between a Palestinian child, an Israeli child, a Catholic child in the North, a Republican child in the wild. It's all the fucking same. You know, and Palestinian freedom and self determination are the only way for Israel itself to live as a civilized nation instead of living now as they are, uh, 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 as, as a bullying superpower who 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 are attempting to achieve complete dominance over, over another people by sheer brute force. Because we know that all of these empires that tried to do that, the Roman Empire, the Nazis, the British Empire, sooner or later, sooner or later they all lost, they all crumbled. You know, even the Great American Empire couldn't, couldn't, couldn't destroy the natives in Vietnam, you know. The Viet Cong kicked their asses, you know. And, and, uh, And being humane is hard work, and especially when you talk about, Dan quite rightly, the deep memories of the people in the Middle East now, you know, this curse and this endless cycle of violence. But remaining humane in the face of terrible cruelty is far more difficult, and that's a massive challenge for the people of Israel, you know, because it's the easiest thing in the world to say, look, we have a very powerful military, and we suffered terrible slaughter you know our elderly people were taking the sausages you know who couldn't feel revulsion at that who couldn't feel rage and the easy solution is to say let's fucking bomb these motherfuckers out of existence what's much more difficult is to say look, what rabin did we need to extend extend the hand of friendship we need to start treating these people as human beings not as animals because the more we treat them as animals the more that's how they're going to behave, the more they're going to feel hopeless and say, there's nothing else for it. Okay, give me the suicide bomb, I'll drive into the crowded square. I'll, I'll, I'll allow my life to, 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 to be taken in this greater cause. Fucking mental is all of this. And that's the sort of shit we were doing in the North up until 1998. It's very natural to have that desire to take revenge, to blame everyone on the other side, to drop thousands of bombs on them, erase them from the face of the earth. But, I mean, it's, it's it's not going to work. There's an
5: extraordinary film that came out a number of years ago called The Gatekeepers about the men, interviews with the men who headed Shin Bet, the Israeli security service, service. security service. And, you know, they all went on... On, on, not all of them, but they, many of them went on voyages of, you know, re- reaching a point where they realized the futility of this. But there's a very striking comment from one of them very early on in, in the film where they, where he says, uh, those split second decisions when you're, when you're moments when they're deciding what to do in a military operation. And, uh, and he says this thing, he says, doing, sometimes doing nothing. Again, he says this thing. You would think not not acting is the easier thing to do. But often it isn't. Often not acting. As, as you say, when you have all this this might and power, you feel you have to use it. And and yet it just Especially
3: uh, I think especially I think, Dion, when when you can do it at the flick of a switch. Yeah. When you can say, Okay, look, we've got our F sixteens. You know, we've got our, our state-of-the-art American sort of systems where we can sit remotely, we can send in drones. We can, we can destroy and maim and get some primeval satisfaction from seeing the bodies of men, women and children pile up and priests and looking rabbis. You know, and we can destroy, you know, this refugee camp that's full of diverse cultures, Catholics and Baptists, Anglicans news. But we can do all that at the flick of a switch like a computer game. We don't have to actually engage with them or put ourselves at any appreciable risk so that since the attack on uh, since the attack on the 7th of October this has just been an unmitigated slot. He's a friend of mine very good friend of mine I won't give his name but he's a surgeon from that area and one of his friends is a doctor in one of the hospitals there and they're using the They're using the lights from their mobile phones now. And uh, he said to me, look, thank you so much for trying to tell the truth about this, which is all we're trying to do. We're just trying to tell the truth. Uh, And the bottom line, as we've seen in any conflict world over, is that the moral corruption that's at the heart of what's happening. I mean, Israel is what they're do. Hamas with their desperate um, onslaught on Israeli civilians on the seventh of October. Is that these are all corrosive to the most important things about humanity and if Israel keeps going on the line that it's going, I think it's going to end up destroying itself you know, in, in, in the in, in a very real way. Because Already, what you're seeing around the world is that people who are saying, Okay, look, this is terrible. Okay, look, we'll give Israel a bit of leeway here. So see, people are now seeing for the first time what's actually happening because everybody's got something now that, we ne- that they never had before mobile phones. So, you know, you see small babies lined up beside each other, dead. You, see, oh, fuck. you know, something's being lost here, something deeply human. And Israel needs to reverse course. Let me put it this way, for its own sake. We'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, everyone.